Welcome to the GNT Show. Welcome everyone to another fun-filled adventure that is the G&T Show. Once again, I'm joined by my host with the most, a man who bought a Renault over the weekend, a Nokia and Motorola, and found that none of it worked in the Belmore car park. G, how are you this week, G? I beg to differ. The Renault, Renault Sport specifically works everywhere, the Nokia and the Motorola. Okay, you need to be a little bit closer to the, to the telephone towers. I'm good. Well, the aerials aren't very strong, apparently, so that you have to put them in um, inconvenient places to get reception. Did, does Telstra pay you rent? I did ring the ombudsman about some reception, and they told me that infrastructure is lacking and there's nothing they could do about it. So I've had to create my own. I'm using the coat hanger. Only you could live in the middle of Sydney in a black spot for all three networks for mobile reception. Of course. Of course, I've tried them all, they don't work. So G is actually typing in this podcast um, in Morse code and getting it translated for everyone else out there. Well, that actually sounds like me watching a Bulldogs game at the moment. Wow, well, um, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. For those thinking I actually am at the car park all the time, I'm not. Just to clarify. All right. Gee, I thought this was a quiet week, and then I went through all the headlines that happened since we last did the podcast. When you list them off, um, you'll find out uh, that there was quite a few interesting things. So let's start with um, Brandy's apology to Anthony Milford. Brandy came out last week and said uh, some strong words against Anthony Milford, saying oh, yeah, he was stealing, stealing money. money. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Brandy, it just goes to show what a good bloke he is that he apologised for telling the truth. He has been stealing money from the Broncos. Well, He's been terrible. After watching the Broncos game, watching Brody Croft. They were better without him. They were a lot better without him. A lot better. I mean, it's a harsh, harsh comment, but I think what I've noticed with Brandy specifically is if he sees players that aren't really putting in, it really rolls him up. It really does. But it just goes to show what a good bloke he is that he that he felt bad to apologise. I'm biased. I love. I love. I love him. I, so do I. I love I love Brandy, but I, but think, I think he could turn up and torch Belmore, and I'd still be like, "Hey, that was a great idea." Brandy. No, as long as he didn't do the car park, you'd be fine. So, <laughs> be so, okay. so we start there. Um, I, I agreed with Brandy actually, and I, and I actually feel really sorry sorry for Anthony Milford, and I think dropping him is probably the most humane thing that they could do because he, he's twenty six. He's still a kid, and his career is shot. He needs to get confidence back. And let's be honest, they've been smashing him for a few years now. Just yeah, because yeah. The, just... The, the, it's all been on his shoulders, I feel like. The Broncos have sort of gone backwards and they were blaming him specifically. But he was bought and purchased to play a role that he's not really suited for. And you can, like you say, you can see he has no confidence when he plays at all. Like almost none. Phil Gould said about Luke Brooks that, that the problem with the West Tigers isn't Luke Brooks. But the yeah, problem for Luke, for, for Luke Brooks, the problem <laughs> might be the West Tigers. And I think I think that's very true of Anthony Milford as well. The problem with the Broncos may not be Anthony Milford, but the, but the problem for Anthony Milford might be the Broncos. I think he needs a fresh start somewhere else. I agree with that. I think I totally agree with that comment. That suits his situation perfectly. It really does. So a few other things caught my eye this week. Um, I, I Don Ferner labelled oh, the Panthers <laughs> mug lairs. So the only reason I'm raising this because we spoke about the Panthers' arrogance. They've been arrogant. They haven't lost the game at home since 2019, right? So, but they are Muglairs. I just respect Don Ferner for bringing that back into the lexicon after years of Muglair not getting a go. 
I know. And the, only, I mean, and, and the only person in the media who knows anything like what a muggler is is, is Phil Rothfield because he is also a muggler, <laughs> so, so, allegedly. So for those of you listening out there, do yourself a favour. Google Phil Rothfield and um, some of the underground figures in Sydney. Well, according to Peter Valandis, that would be a great opportunity to put, um, put Phil Rothfield on the board. I reckon when he retires, Phil Rothfield, the Emperor will come out with a decree. It's like ancient Rome. There shall be a new senator. You shall refer to him as Senator Rothfield. So so the other, a lot of player movements. So um, the rumour is Katoni Staggs is going to the Titans. I know we talk about salary caps and the Titans. Well, I think they're the roosters of Queensland. Yeah, absolutely. They've been since they started. Remember where um, they had people building houses for them, apparently, for Scott Prince yeah, right. way that's back. Right. So, But they seem to sign anybody they want to, want to sign on massive money. I know. It's like, what I know. the hell? I can't think Jamal Fogarty's had a lot of money, though. Probably well, not. But wasn't I mean, Ash Taylor on a million bucks a year? Ash Taylor was on gigantic money. and then David Fafita's 1.2, they said. That yeah. was the rumour. And then you've got Tino is on big money. Brimson... No, nah, he might not be on that. He, he, I, I think Maybe he was not signed yet. before. Their backline probably is where they have the money. They does Ma- they does Mal the does does Mal count towards the salary cap? Because he's got to be pulling some some coin in there. Big Mal. Oh, I don't know. I, I think um, after last after this week's performance, Jimmy Dimmick's been docked. I know. I know. He's I'm going to get to your. I'm going to get to your your crush on Jim Jimmy Dimmick later on. So a, a couple of other things. Chad Townsend is rumoured to have signed a two-year contract with North Queensland. I don't know what that means for Adam Reynolds. That was huge news. With Chad, well, it'll come out in the press tomorrow. Yeah, but Chad Townsend, definitely. two years, and the rumour is North Queensland's now going after Tom Dearden, who may be the Broncos' best halfback. So, oh, that's fantastic. They'll they'll get him too. The Cowboys seem to be able to entice quite a few people, and he's a Queenslander as well. So. The, the, the question I have around that is who's going to be running the Shire Brewing Company if Chad Townsend's up in North Queensland? Well, I'm sure he's not hands-on. Or Cronulla Beer or whatever it's called. I'm not. Sure, I'm sure he's not on tools. And, and it's okay. probably... They'll make more money with him in North Queensland because he won't be drinking the product. Well, probably sitting down at Northies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So for those that don't know, it's a famous hangout in Cronulla. Yeah, the Shire is a world amongst itself, so... It is. Um, a couple of other things that caught my eye is TJ Perinara to the Roosters. Now, I know you don't watch rugby anymore, and I know rugby is an anathema to Not a lot of much, rugby league no. fans. I but used I do to watch, quite a lot. I still watch the rugby, as you know. Yep. TJ Perinara as a hooker would be absolutely brilliant in league. Absolutely brilliant. And the Roosters have been fantastic at tapping into rugby union. Um, they've got yep. Freddie Michelac, who's the who's the great French fly half on their yep. coaching panel. Michael Chica has been um, bringing a touch of the Lebanese magic to the Roosters. Uh, I'm guessing he hasn't been working on their defence, given how good it is. No. No, no, they have. Sonny Bill was obviously there. So they've got Suwali. They've got a few few of the Luke Keary was an Australian schoolboy. So there is quite a bit of rugby influence in the Roosters, particularly in their defensive patterns. And I think TJ Perinara would be an awesome league, pl- league player. He was nearly signed by the Storm. Came across with John Lomax to the Storm, but chose to stay in New Zealand and pursued rugby. And he went on to represent the All Blacks and win a World Cup. I think he'd be fantastic in league. Well, look at this, right? Is If you've got the Storm and the Roosters both going after you, you can play. That, that I haven't really watched him, but to me that shows that this guy's got something that he can definitely add. So by more reports, I did read that they're going to sign him. So he'll probably pop in towards the back end of the season. And he'll give... And he'll give um, 
Rapana a run for his money as uh, as the most niggly man in league. Yeah, he'll give a bit of niggle. He's, he's not he's not bad on the talk. It allows Freddie Lussie his natural game in reserve grade. Yeah, because that gives him more time to work on his um Backstreet Boys tour. <laughs> Passing. Freddie Lussick at dummy half, if the referees had more gumption, nine out of ten passes he throws from dummy half are forward. I'm almost convinced of this. He's, but it's not even close. He's got a better arm than Tom Brady. He's thinking of he's thinking of song lyrics. Yeah, he is. He is. So um, he, is. he he wants it that way. So other things that have caught my eye. I told you it was a big week this week. So other things that caught my eye, they they're looking at developing salary cap relief for juniors. Fantastic. So they've, got a, they've got a working panel. On, wait, before you say fantastic, it's only in for, for when they go from the juniors to SG Ball and Harold Matthews. Um, and if they leave and go to another club, the developing club keeps the salary cap relief and it's only for three years. So you don't get it at the back end of the contracts. So it's just like the NRL to take a problem with the game, be seen to be doing something about it without any material effect on the game at all. I was about to say, and the difference to now is what exactly? <laughs> I, just, I just, the problem isn't when they first come to grade. The problem's no. at the other end of the contract. No. It's after you've got a guy that's there for three years and they've developed and they've waited for him and all of a sudden they get poached for someone because you can't afford the extra. You know what the NRL oh. is? NRL is, um, the NRL is, uh, what are those? Ashley Martin. That's what the NRL is. They go... But except without the solutions, they'll go, hey, man, I'm just ringing up. I'm a bald guy. I was wondering if you could give me hair. Here's a T-shirt and just for men. No, no, no. I'm ringing about the hair. No, no. This will make you feel better. Just take the T-shirt and just for men. It's not like the commercials. So maybe we need somebody's mother-in-law to tell them that, hey, they've lost hair or something like that. That was my yeah. moment. Now, my moment was when I looked in the mirror and I lost all my hair. That was my moment. <laughs> I'm surprised because for those that have um, generally... Even older grandparents at all, they're generally pretty blunt. I think there's a, there's probably a few of those moments. What happened to you? Oh, head? yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. So. Every time I see my grandmother, she's like, you put on weight, you're fat. I weigh like 78 kilos. So, All right, so so the other the other thing is Andrew Voss went pretty hard, and I actually tend to agree with him on the weekend's game. Um, Victor Radley got 10 minutes for that hit on Cam Munster, which yep. Cam Munster was faking. <laughs> Are you surprised at Cam Munster? Well, no, no. But then I'm, I'm surprised that Frank Panisi came out when Buzz Rothfield rang him and admitted that it was fake. I mean, they're going to get fined for that. So it was just stupid what he said to Buzz. Um, Latrell Mitchell didn't get anything for his acts of madness during his game. And Jack Hetherington got sent off. It only took him six weeks. What a shock. <laughs> yeah, he's played 29 games and been cited six times. Yes. Like I told you at the start of the year, <laughs> he's great. For a bench player in between sightings and suspensions. Look, we'll talk about, I thought that was a send-off, but... I did too. I think there's a lack of consistency. I think there's a lack of consistency. I think it looked far worse than than it actually was, if that makes no, sense. No, I, I understand what you're saying, but it was a send-off. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I have no doubt. It was a send-off, but six weeks suspension for that? No, it's a it's it's a two, three-weeker. It looked worse than it was, but it was at a send-off? Yeah, definitely. The, the worst ones, the worst one I saw of that was the hit on Bradley Clyde by the Great Britain team in the 1990 Oh, Sean Edwards yeah. just jumped up and... <laughs> but it was it was like that, right? He stuck his arm out, and, and but it was swinging, and he absolutely tonked Brad Clyde. Remember that? Yeah, he actually knocked him out too. He got wrong. He got wrong-footed, and Jack Hetherington got stepped, sent off, two, three-week suspension, but six weeks, seven weeks. No, not really. 
it's the reason it's six weeks is because of his record, though. Gee, it's not, it's not, it's not going to be because of the hit itself. He he does have a bit of an issue, Jack Hetherington. Mate, it's it's like if you go up for the fourth time for armed robbery, but but it's the inconsistency. I think that's the issue. It is. I mean, Latrell Mitchell. I don't know how that wasn't a send off. He like punched him in the face <laughs> deliberately. <laughs> Punch him in the face. Like it was so obvious that even if it was not a send off, at a minimum he should have been in the sim bin. Yeah, I agree. Um, and and the news that actually caught my eye the most this week. Just one thing on Victor Radley before oh, yep. you go on, right? Don't you reckon he looks like Billy Slater? No. Okay, so one no. other thing that okay. caught my eye. Fair enough. For the week. <laughs> he does. Anyway. Uh, you, know, you know what would really help this podcast if you watch the football? <laughs> that well, would be incredibly helpful. I think he looks like Billy Slater. I'm watching pretty closely. But you're watching all the wrong things. Okay. Well, that's a different discussion. But I'm watching the facial structures and, you know, the eyebrows and all sorts of stuff. I mean, R- Ricky obviously came out and said some strong <laughs> words as well. That's the other thing that I forgot to write down. I mean, Ricky oh, yeah. came out after the Raiders game against the Eels and came up with some strong words. I actually agree with him. I think Hudson Young and Curtis Scott have got to be dropped. They were terrible. And what about the um, his comment during the week about, you know, allowing now the fact that you're not allowed to punch somebody has allowed people that um, pull shirts to be tough guys. Correct, correct. I agree with him. I think we used to criticise the AFL for those melees, right? Now that's in our game. That's our game. Oh, yeah. Pretty and much. And so we've got to do something, and I think the way to do it would be to give them massive fines. Forget about the send-off and all this sort of stuff, but your third man in, it's $5,000, and everyone else gets fined two and a half grand each. Wow. That'll be a good end-of-season kitty. Well, but it's done, right? It's done. It goes to the Peter Volandi's, um governance fund. <laughs> To be spent at Randwick Racecourse. No, Dapto Dogs. It goes to one of the 14 clubs paying Cooper Cronk's salary. <laughs> yeah, oh, of course, the coaching. <laughs> Putting around the hat, trying to pay his salary. And then he has a go. I still can't believe it. I mean, only in rugby league would Cooper Cronk have the high moral ground for coaching two teams. Yeah. I mean, oh. it's just, it's just you only in rugby it. league. It's awesome. So you don't get these stories elsewhere. But the news that caught my eye the most was Danny Weedler's article on the weekend. Did you read oh, that on oh, Sunday? Oh, yes, uh, I did. I did. About Dino Mezzatesta <laughs> slapping Sharks chairman Steve Macy 2019 oh, it was in great. front of the Prime Minister. I just think nothing says at Rugby League more than that. What what position, what what do you think goes through <laughs> your mind when you're in, you're in there with your chairman and... and the urge hits you to slap him in the face in front of the Prime Minister. Oh, I, I don't know. I told you. Mets a tester, right? Yeah. Somebody's, half a head. Half a head. They fell out after he slapped him in front of the Prime Minister. <laughs> I read that and I thought, is this for real? What the hell? This is great. Oh, How good is it's that? It's just fantastic. They're arguing about something and he gets slapped. The CEO slapping him. The chairman. It's as soon as it comes to John Morris, we're 100% aligned. It's just, it's just... I don't know. I mean, Danny Weedler sometimes writes some rubbish, but that was hilarious. That was absolutely hilarious. And the Sharks have signed Will Chambers, who's, who's uh, I think... 440? 47 now, I think. So he's uh, he'll give them a lot of pace. Josh Josh Dugan, Will Chambers. For this season or... No, or, yeah, for the... Look, <laughs> no, no for, this, for the 2028 season. Of course for this season. He's only 32. Oh, so I thought it was for next season. So if, do you know what? If it's for this season, I can understand why they've done that. They they are short on centres and Josh Dugan's 
unfortunately having a few issues with some concussions. But I, I do I do get that move if it's for the, if it's for the remainder of the season. The funny thing is, is I think Connor Tracy's a ready-made replacement. Oh, Connor Tracy's been going really it. well. I don't get it either. He doesn't seem to be valued as much for some reason. But whenever he's played in the centres, he's done a great job. Yeah, I think I, I think Connor Tracy's a. I think he's been quite good there. So I, I didn't quite get it either. What did I miss, G? That you wanted to talk about in the before we even get onto the games. It was a good. I told you. I told you it was a busier week than you think. I didn't think that you would have got gotten the slap part of it. So I had that noted. I'm like, you know, I'm going to raise this. Tim's not going to get this. But no, that was my one thing that I was like, come on. <laughs> I'm like, come on, man. Of all the things, but you know what? You know where those stories come from? They, they get they background the journalists. These clubs background the journalists. And 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 can you imagine backgrounding the journalist? And as part of the background, you're telling them, hey, man, I slapped the chairman in the face in 2019. Look, how does that even come up? How does that even come up? How come Danny Weedler, like, who's Danny Weedler talking to? I know, I know, I know. It would have been one of them. It would have been Steve Mace or or, or Dino Mezzatesta. We've spoken about this, but how about the news with the um the soccer or the football overseas? That's very similar to what happened here with Super League, essentially. The rugby league angle on that, in the UK, the people in Northern England are up in arms that the European Super League has stolen their name. I'm not even joking. The Rugby Football League, the Rugby League in the UK, is up in arms that Europe, the European... Outside of Northern England, no one in Europe cares about the Rugby League. I was going to say, I actually love watching English football and always have. They play a good brand of football, but how about getting a little bit too much ahead of yourself? <laughs> People in Madrid aren't going, hey man, we should come up with a new name because of Wigan versus Witness. <laughs> They're not saying that. I mean, you can still call yourself whatever. It's not going to make a difference, I'm telling you. How about growing the game in England? And they keep shrinking it. They had the Wolfpack and then they're like, oh. Yeah, Toronto Wolfpack. That is a league that's got more potential if they would embrace Europe and the Toronto Wolfpack and all that sort of stuff. So I was actually a big fan of the NRL buying them. It didn't work out, but, you know, they could become the NFL of Europe type thing. That's the vision. It's not this shrinking, small northern english sport that's it's just all the reasons for it being set up as a separate sport in northern england are gone now and you're quite passionate and you know what you're going to have rugby players around europe that play rugby that aren't quite in the big teams why wouldn't they switch over to rugby league if there's a little bit more professionalism and money involved which is what we're seeing here really i don't yeah well we're seeing it a bit here but i mean it's it's got it, i mean for a little while there it went the other way right with um wendell sailor and matt rogers and those types of yeah, players going that, those days Tukiri. are gone yeah those they're days trying to get their players back because they're like why would i go play for the wallabies or the waratahs when i can get paid you know four five hundred grand as a rookie with potential in the nrl which is what the going rate is so i, I guess with that i think they have to take the mentality of the afl and just say we're going to grow the game you got to have some deep pockets, but you know you do sometimes get random investors that seem to have money that want to throw that love rugby league, like the guy that owned Toronto. Or um... all right, well, I think I think we've covered everything for now. I mean, it was a whirlwind tour. It was a busier week than you thought, though. The world of rugby league, huh? You blink and you miss it. So let's move on to round six, and we'll start with the first game of the round, which was the Broncos versus the Panthers on Thursday night. Um, God, the Broncos gave a good showing of, for themselves. I think I thought that was their best performance of the year, other than the first half against Parramatta in the first game. That they showed they showed fight. Um, in particular, I thought Tavita Pangai Jr. was superb. He was aggressive in both defence and attack, and got through a mountain of work. He was really like the first game against Parramatta. 
they were rumored to be shopping him around. So they really, really did. Um, he really did come out firing. I thought he was great. The halves of Brodie Croft and Tom Dearden were better without Anthony Milford, as we said earlier. I thought Brodie Croft was really good. Brodie Croft was really good. Tom Dearden still missed a few tackles, but and I think actually both of them missed tackles. But what they did that they haven't had in previous rounds was desperation. They were desperate yes, in defence, de- right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And and that that effort that it wasn't a technical thing. It was just they showed a lot more effort on the defensive end, which which bodes well, right? And made a big difference yeah. dropping Anthony Milford. I hate to say. In the end, end the difference in the game was Nathan Cleary at twelve. All the Broncos made some errors in good field position, and Nathan Cleary kicked the two point field goal and scored a converted try, and that and he iced the game from there, right? It's just he knew how to get his team over the line, and the Broncos haven't won in so long they couldn't. They couldn't um, really get the job done. With a little bit more now, so I think they could have scored a try. The Panthers were there to be taken, and they, they, like you said, they couldn't quite do it. But they hung in. I thought they were really desperate in defence. Had a great attitude, and you know, Tavita Pangai Jr. led that. I mean, he stripped when he stripped Toto when he busted through all those. I mean, that was an amazing try saver. Nearly did it a couple of t- plays later again, right? So, um, speaking of Brian Toto, he had an interesting night, right? He looked shaky under the high ball. Oh, yeah. That's something I picked up. Yeah, yeah, but but was impossible to bring down once he had the ball in his hands. He was two, 272 metres, 112 post-contact metres, 15 tackle busts and one line break. That yeah. That's better than most forwards. Oh, he's phenomenal with the ball. I'm telling you, he's Matt Utah, the evolution. I actually think he's not that bad under the high ball, but because he's shorter than a lot of these guys, he's going to have these nights where if they target him, he might have an off night here or there. You know what I mean? Like you get, that used to happen occasionally to some of the smaller players that were great under the high ball. They have one where, you know, they drop one or they, they get challenged once or twice and their confidence goes for that game only. But gee, I think I think this year, this year there's different bombs coming into the game. That one through the bladder in particular, the one that moves right at the last minute, like the Cristiano Ronaldo free kick. Yep. And I think, I think it's getting harder and harder, like Blake Ferguson, Jordan Rapana. Brian Toto. Oh yeah, they're floating around, and then spiraling at the last second. Yeah. So you'll see them. You'll see they think they're in position, and then at the last minute they got a lunge to catch the ball. So, but uh, it'll be interesting to see which way his confidence goes. What did you think of this game? Same. I thought the Broncos, like we said, had a fantastic attitude in defence, and they were desperate. So they, they, you know, the Panthers. I thought they weren't as sharp as they usually are. They were desperate at the right times. So when the Broncos were really trying to attack the line and put them away towards the end of the game, they came up with great desperation in defense. There's a couple of tackles pulled off by Fisher-Harris tracking across the field. And they they stopped the Broncos. The Broncos got close, but they couldn't quite score. They were desperate at the right times, but they were a little bit too good. Can I can I give you a controversial opinion? Yep. I, a lot of the teams that are poor, except for the Bulldogs, were quite good this weekend. Um, the teams that have been terrible. And, and my theory on it is that I think the referees have... They're not blowing penalties, generally speaking. There are some games, but they're also not giving any ruck, ruck infringements either. So they're going back to refer- round one was an anomaly. Look, hey, it wouldn't surprise me. We've, the refs have done this stuff in the past, and the NRL's done this stuff in the, the games past. Games are miraculously getting closer now, right? Toto was fantastic on the wing, and Cleary just had that extra nous that the Broncos didn't have. I thought Brody Croft gave them more directness to their attack. He was more engaged and more aggressive than Milford. Milford's been quite passive. Is Nathan Cleary the the best player in the game? He's one of. Who's in your shortlist? Cam Munster's there for me. If you're talking about playmakers, he'd be up there. Who's who's a, who's a better halfback than him? Well, halfback, 
Do you know what? I don't think it, it's close anymore. I would say it used to be. It used to be daily Cherry Evans, but yeah. You'd have Cherry Evans. There, there, there was probably two or three that you'd think were about the same, sort of around the same I, I think he. I think he's the premier I halfback. I think now he comp. is the premier halfback, and I don't think it's close anymore. I think no, there's I a distance between him and the rest of them, for sure. Yeah. Crichton still just seems to be missing in action at fullback. Well, he's not a fullback. He's not a fullback. He's not. And he's struggling so with soon, it. The, so, the sooner Dylan Edwards comes back, the better. Yeah, I think Penrith is worse off for that. But here's a question for you. What do you do if you're Penrith? Because Matt Burton has been so good at centre with Crichton when he comes back. Or when Dylan Edwards comes back. What do you do with Crichton? You just shift Burton to the bench? or? Yeah, correct. Yep. Okay, fair enough. Pretty straightforward. But Matt, I don't think Matt Burton wants to play centre. I don't think he is a natural centre. I think Matt Burton at centre works because he's so skilled and he's playing in such a good side. It, that's true, yeah. So, look, Panthers a little bit too good, but fantastic signs from the Broncos. The desperation was great for most of the game. But, yeah, great. honestly, a really, it was a decent game. Decent game this time, yeah. Decent game of football. And there was tension in the game, which was good to see because we haven't had too many of those. I do have one. I'll probably ask this later anyway, but what do you think of the two-point field goal? I actually like it. Like it? Okay. I like it because because it gives another option when you're losing the game by two points, another way to get the game tied beyond a penalty. And that's what that's what teams have been using it for, right? So I like that it's, it brings a bit of variety and it's something different and it puts the defense in two minds. Fair enough. I was just wondering because it's changed it a little bit, right? And I think that's the only time you're going to really, really use it, to be honest with you. Or, or just before halftime and you've got the ball there. And, you know, there's certain circumstances where it works and where it doesn't. All right, if we move on to the next game, the first game on Friday night was the Knights versus the Sharks. Um, I tipped the Sharks. I thought they'd have a bounce back with Josh Hannay there, and the Knights had a lot of injuries. I was wrong. Um, it was an important game for both teams with Josh Hannay replacing John Morris as coach of the Sharks and the Knights battling injuries and, and a tough draw coming up as well for the Knights. In, and in addition, in the lead-up to the game, Kalen Ponga and Connor Watson were ill. And there was a lot of detail about their illness, about sitting on the toilet and diarrhea and all sorts of stuff, which I thought was interesting that they would release that level of detail. Um, so next week, I look forward to seeing the Knights being sponsored by Hydrolite. Uh, yeah, great stuff, Hydrolite, by the way. That's excellent. Um, <laughs> I mean, in the end, it didn't affect Kalen Ponga, um, as he was the difference between the teams in a brilliant <laughs> no, performance. No, it did not. It, well, he, was, he, was, he kept, kept trying, to, trying to hide the fact that he shit himself during the game. And he was the difference between the teams in a brilliant performance, including winning a penalty on his own end at the end of the game and then scoring and converting his own try <laughs> for the Knights. I mean, what a, what a great last five minutes that was. In the end, he had two tries, two try assists, 172 metres, eight tackle busts, two line breaks and two line break assists. That's not bad for a healthy bloke, let alone someone who's crook. Uh, Heimel Hunt was injured early for with with, ham, with a hamstring injury, forcing another backline reshuffle. And second row Brody Jones uh, moved into the centres, and he actually had a great game. The everywhere man. Centres and second rowers are interchangeable in the modern game. To some degree, I don't think the Sharks had enough punch at centre to trouble him. That it was almost like like for like they had Wilton on that side, right? No, I, I think they're they're wide second rollers basically. But I think I think that's what centers are these days. So anyway, in the end, the shark with the sharks up twenty two twenty and inside the sharks red zone with four minutes to go, um, they probably feel aggrieved that they didn't put the game away, right? This is where an experienced halfback. Like this is what you're paying Chad Townsend for. This is Cooper Cronk's point, right? He's got to get the team over the line in that point. If you're up two points, four minutes to go, you're in the red zone. You really need to get an outcome from that kick. You need to get yeah. an outcome from that set. You need to ice the game. 
I think that's what Kronk was good at. Absolutely. You could argue that, but I think also the Sharks tried to grind their win, the win out without... When the Knights were really, I felt tired and were ready to to be take, like basically knocked out. And I didn't think the Sharks really sort of attacked them towards the end to score that extra try to, to put them away. I thought they tried to grind it out and waste time and they weren't good enough to game manage the end of the game. Well, I mean, that's Chad, that's I reckon a little bit of that's on Chad Townsend. I think Chad, Chad Townsend this year has been rocks and diamonds a little bit. Looks good with the ball in hand, terrible in defence, which bodes well for North Queensland, whose defence has been so good. But but for the Sharks, I thought Jesse Ramian and Britton Nakora were excellent. This game, I, I thought it took a while to get going. I thought the teams were kind of feeling each other out for a while. The reshuffling in the backs didn't help either team. To be honest, we talked about Green kicking a 40-20, and I know I've mentioned this before, but the funny thing is, if he kicked a 30-30, he wouldn't have got the ball back, which is the same kick, which is still the weirdest rule ever. If he kicks a 20-40, he gets the ball back. And like you said, I thought the Knights sort of held their own a little bit, and Ponga just added that extra touch of class and, and skill that... I mean, it was amazing. Like the the offload to Mitch Barnett, the way he looped around for the first try with Bradman Best cutting in as a decoy, and he just looped around straight into the gap, and they couldn't stop him. He was he was unbelievable, actually. Agree with you about Brody Jones. He was quite a bit of a surprise. Um, really enthusiastic and was kind of everywhere. Desperate defense, coming up with the ball. He was always around the ball. You know how you always get players that were around the ball. He had one of those nights where every time something happened, he was kind of there or thereabouts. I noticed Tolman tried one of his famous barge overs, <laughs> and his success rate seriously must be zero point oh one percent. Somehow, he seems to get the ball charging up the middle of the field trying to score a try. It hasn't changed at Cronulla. My magic, the offloads, the passes, the speed, the footwork. You know, it's funny to say he was fantastic, but he had brilliant moments. I didn't think he had a brilliant game. Do you know what I mean? Like he wasn't in he wasn't he wasn't in the game beginning to end. This is the maturity of Kalen Ponga, right? He can now he wasn't well, but he knew how to inject himself and influence the game. That's a good pickup. I, w- I would agree with that summation. Like he was the difference. He was the magic that finished the Sharks off. I thought the Sharks they didn't like I said didn't quite have enough. They should have really scored a few more points in that second half. But um I thought they wouldn't turn up with the right attitude, but I do I still think that kind of impacted them for a little while. And I like Connor Tracy. What about him as a footballer? As a footballer too. I think if he's in the centres, it would have been good to have him in the centres and actually have a proper winger outside of him, I think. I, I think, think that that's would have right. given the Sharks a bit more potency. And I reckon that would have been enough with William Kennedy looping around and, and being a little bit more influential do you think, again. Do you think that's the reason? That, I mean, 22-20, four minutes to go. You're entitled to think... And you've got Chad Townsend, who you won a premiership with five years ago. You're entitled to think you're going to win this game. I think so. I think they would have scored enough points to beat, beat Newcastle. Well, I think 20 points is enough in this modern game. This is only the fourth time someone's lost this year after scoring 20 points. If Cam Smith was playing for the Sharks, they win that game. Possibly, yes. But I... Th- I... I think 100% they win the game. He kicks it into touch. They get a they get a, a goal line dropout. They might try the short one, regather the ball. He might go for another one or an early kick across. And like yeah. He ices the game. Maybe it's the difference between that experience and the Cam Smith is reading the game situation, whereas you feel like the Sharks were kind of going through their plays. He gets a penalty. He might, he might kick for goal to get time. Like he's just the gamesmanship, what he knows what to do, the decision-making. I just look... Playing the context of the game rather than your set plays. And I That's think that right. goes for a fair few teams. I agree with that, but it wasn't a bit of a to-and-fro game. It wasn't a great quality game, but a close one and a great finish. 
exciting finish at the end. So a good win for the Knights. I think they needed they that needed win. They needed it. They needed that win. Um, yeah, I agree. And the Sharks, I don't know. They've, they've been playing pretty well this year, but they're just not getting the wins. Well, I think I think they'll be there or thereabouts, right? They're just a mid-table team. I think that's that's what they are, right? They'll go on a run, I think, towards the back end of the year when they start playing some of the poorer teams. I think they're that's the right. type of team that will beat win four or five in a row. All right. Well, we'll move on to, the, to what was pre-round, the game of the... The round, everyone thought it would be the game of the round. This one, the referee certainly did blow his penalties. There was 13 penalties in this game. And it was the Storm versus the Roosters. The Storm got up 20-4. to four. The Storm blew the Roosters away, in the, particularly in the second half. The Roosters were brave. They were really brave and, and kept the game to only 4-0 in the first half. In the se- second half, the Roosters lost Sia Sia Takioho with a rib injury and Jared Warrior Hargraves with a shoulder injury. And Brett Morris was ruled out with a calf tightness um, before the game. In, in addition, they had Victor Radley got binned for 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, but despite that, it was 4-0. And the Storm threw everything, the kitchen sink and everything at them. The Roosters' defence remains elite. Another team would have conceded 50. If that was the Bulldogs in that situation, that the Roosters were under, the pressure the Storm put the Roosters under, the Bulldogs would have conceded 70, I reckon. I mean, it was just... With all these obstacles, 10, 10 minutes in the bin, losing two of your set, your forwards, your key strike forwards. That, that I, I, I can't speak highly enough of the Roosters for the character they showed in that loss. For Melbourne, Harry Grant's best game for the Storm ever. He set up two tries and he scored one himself. I, I, I also actually think this Brandon Smith-Harry Grant combination rotation worked really well. The, the best bit of it, and it was not the rotation, it was the first 20 minutes of the second half when they worked in tandem. They were both on the field, and they made it work. That was the, that was the period of time they actually blew the, storm, the roosters off the park. So it worked real, there's something there for Craig Bellamy. This could be a new thing to have two hookers and bring one in, and, and it gave them a lot more flexibility in their game plan. I mean, the roosters' defense was elite, but I thought that looked really good. The Melbourne halves, it's really noticeable they really challenged the Roosters' line. So Jerome Humes and Cam Munster had 28 runs between them. Yeah, they run at the line. They're direct. They're constantly... Direct, yeah. right? So they're constantly threatening the line, which I think is very different to a lot of other halves. But the Storm and the Panthers are clearly the two best teams in the comp. The Roosters, I can't speak highly enough of the defence. I know they cop a lot... You know, we make a lot of jokes about the salary cap, Sombrero and things like that. But if you go back and watch this game, the Storm actually threw a lot at the Roosters. I agree with that summation totally. They're... they're... The Roosters' attitude in defence and desperation was fantastic. You know, and they did have some obstacles, some of them of their own, of their own undoing in regards to Victor Radley, but... Did you think that was 10 minutes? I see, you see some, it's inconsistent. It's inconsistent, it's inconsistent. In theory, yes, but, you know, it also is one of those ones where it's wide open, it's one-on-one, it looks, it's one, again, that looks a lot worse than when you've got two players in the tackle and someone comes over the top and sort of probably hits them harder... But because they're already captured in the, you know, in someone's arms, they don't they don't get their head thrown back. And but so I think it it seems like it's ten minutes. But there's other tackles that are far worse where the player just goes straight down and they don't they just get put on report or give a penalty away. I'm like you. I thought the Roosters were gallant. They hung in and hung in defensively, and eventually they just couldn't hold on. And the fact that the Storm, when you're watching the game, like you say, were by far the better side and only scored 20 is a testament to the Roosters' defence. I thought the, the Storm played really well. I do think there's a substantial difference with and without Ryan Pappenhuysen. Yeah, you've said this before. Nico Hines is smooth, but I noticed that against the what Roosters' defence, both, 
he's smooth. He's got the, you know he's got the nice skin and the long hair. You know, he looks like he surfs at the Sunshine Coast, like we said. It's like looking into a mirror. Yeah, without the hair and the smoothness, and the surfboard. <laughs> and um, you know, well, I think what the difference was is when Hines came in, he's got the ball playing ability and the skill, but he plays more like a a ball playing five eight, and he doesn't challenge the line, so the line slides easier. I tell you what, I thought I th- you know the times he's played hooker, I thought he did quite a good job there. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a fantastic footballer. He can really pass the ball. He can distribute the ball, Nico Hine. Great passer, good vision, but it changes the game with Pappenheisen's attacking any gap that's created, and I think that's what makes a difference. So when he came back on in the second half, so the Storm started to really take advantage of the Roosters getting a little bit tired. Harry Grant starting to find his feet in the Storm system. He was. Like you say, fantastic, especially in the second half. It's like he felt he's confident when he played for the Tigers, but I think he's trying to find his way the first few weeks with the Storm. It was the freedom when Brandon Smith was on the field, though, together. It was sharing the responsibilities, too. He didn't feel like, I've got to know. Because remember the Storm played the halfbacks playing at hooker. Remember? That's the Cam Smith way. Yeah. So you got to remember so all the plays. you got to remember all this. you got to get the team around the park. you got to do blah, 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 blah. With Brandon Smith there, he was able to share the load and actually concentrate on his own game a little bit. And it made a big difference. I agree. And he's he adds a dynamism to the storm that he adds something different. He's passing his vision from dummy half, his service, and he explodes out of there. He's like he's like a cross between a McCulloch and a Damian Cook. Mm. Harry Grant. Mm. So he he's he's sharp at a dummy half and he'll run out of dummy half, but he's got the ball playing ability of McCulloch and it, it seems like he plays like he's been playing for years and I think that just, it gave them an edge to beat the Roosters as well. They were always going to win, but Harry Grant sort of gave them enough firepower to kind of blow the Roosters off the park. I mean, 20 to 4, like you say, if that was one of the poorer teams, I think that would have been 40, 50. Can I ask you a question, given your man crush on a few league players, Ryan Pappenhausen, Jim Dimmick, etc., etc., Terry Lamb, if you were on a deserted island and could only take three footballers with you... Which footballers would you take and why? That's very hard to answer because the way I watch footy now is, well, sort of different to when I was watching it as a kid, but then the players you watch as a kid, I can't answer that question. There'd be too many. I'd have to round up a crew on the on the, the, the pirate ship that sails out there to the deserted island. You'd want, you would want Jim Dimmick there? Oh, Jim Dimmick for sure. And, and you'd want to watch Ryan Pappenhausen's haircut running down the beach with Jimmy Dimmick's attack plays, I think. And who would the third person Sprint to speed. If you really want to watch somebody run up and down, you'd have to get Damien Cook because he was a beach sprinter. Damien Cook's your third yeah, one, all right? No. I'll have to think about that. That's a question I'll have to think about. It's too hard. Uh, who, who, who else would you – so write in to us um, to see who who you, who you think G's three people on the deserted island would be. No one writes anymore. And, Whatever. Um, okay. send, a, send, send a message. Yeah. Send a message in a bottle. We'll get it at the um, deserted island. will float up. The level that these two teams play at and the defense and the movement and the speed of play, it's elite rugby league and in comparison to some it of the other games. It is elite rugby league, I agree. It's no, it's no comparison. So m- moving on to two other elite teams on uh, Not So Super Saturday, um, Manly versus the Titans. We said Manly didn't have 30 points in them. They scored 36. <laughs> we said the Titans, if they throw the ball around, will dominate this game. The Titans scored nothing. Uh, Manly won 36 to nil. The Titans were... Terrible, absolutely they terrible. Were awful. What a difference Tommy Turbo made. Uh, Manly blew the Titans away from the kickoff. They yeah. they recorded two wins in a row. Um, they were twenty six nil up at halftime. Let, let me give you a stat here, G. This is how good Tommy Turbo was. 
He ran 166 meters in the first half. Okay, 166, 166, and the the Titans' starting forwards combined only ran for 171 meters in the first half. Look, I know fullbacks, you know, return kicks, but they get some easy meters. But that's amazing, incredible stat, actually. He killed them. He killed them. He ran more than the whole starting pack. This this is what I love about Des. Right, you know what he worked out. That David Fafita can't pass the balls. <laughs> That's the David Fafita weakness. He can't pass he the ball. So he can't pass. What he did was he rushed up on him. Yeah. As soon as the ball even looked like going to him, he cut the speed, cut the space down. And what that was about was making sure he didn't get up ahead of speed to stample over yeah, them. That's right. So all game he was just he was just sprinting out of the line. Actually, I thought that was really clever. I mean, they were terrible. The Titans. I don't know what. what, what they, I mean, they were. This, this was really poor. The kickoff out on the full, they didn't score a point. They were tackled over the touchline on the first play. Um, they made play of the ball errors. I mean, it was just, they weren't at the races. It was terrible. For, for the Titans, I mean, if you can call it their best players, again, Dave Fafita and Corey Thompson were probably their best, but it was a subdued performance. My question for you is the Titans are very, very inconsistent this year. Other than last week, their attack's been woeful. Jimmy Dimmick has not been doing a good job this year. Is this... What is the Titans' real form? I don't know. I was going to say, I don't know. Did they just write this off? Is it one of those performances? Or is there something to worry about here for Justin Holbrook? I can't quite work out the Titans. Manly, congratulations. What a difference Tommy Turbo makes. Um, You've won two in a row now. And you've got the Tigers this week. So, Manly are on the way way back. Honestly, there were some great tries by Manly. All centred around the fullback in Dez's style of play. As soon as you get a dynamic fullback, the whole team changes. I'll answer the question about the Titans later, but for Manly, I thought the difference now is if they make a half break, Tommy Turbo was there in support, and all of a sudden that break turns into a try. You know, coming through the middle, and his speed... You know who the Titans need? The Titans need Harry from the Corso. (laughs) Well, apparently he beat him in a race, so I think they might. Well, if you beat him in the race, he's got to be pretty quick, right? Can he tackle? Um, I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm not sure. If you give him enough beers, he probably could tackle. Everyone thinks they could tackle if they've got a beer or two in them, right? If Harry can tackle, mate, there's there's your solution. I just thought, honestly, Manly scored some great tries, and a lot of it was centered around um, Tommy Turbo. Like, he hits the gaps, and he accelerates through the gap, and he's got great vision and ball skill as well. So he doesn't waste an opportunity. I thought Cherry Evans also had a far better game in defense, and I'm not sure if that's because he feels more confident with Harper there. Since Harper's come back, they had one off week, but it seems to f- they're finding their feet the right-hand side of defence the last two weeks. The defence is holding up a little bit better. They, they used Josh Schuster's ball skills a little bit more this week, I found as well. Like the first few games he played, he was a little bit more of a battering ram, and then when the game got away from Manly, he, he then sort of started to throw the ball around a bit more when they were desperate, whereas I thought they kind of used him that way as part of their attack this week. You know, the, the try off the, the kickoff where they passed it wide and Tommy T just accelerated around the center and just and he's got that speed from the back. Now you're getting Jason Saab looming up in support and you're starting to see him, his speed come into the game. Well, and Jake, Jake looks more dangerous too. He does. They play off each other. I guess they, you know, play yeah. those many years playing together as kids and brothers, they kind of know each other's game. But he was, he was sensational. I, I can't believe how good he was for the first game back 
the you know what the thing is with Tommy Trebojevic? If you really think about it, at their best, if you take every fullback, and I've got massive man crush on Pappenheisen and, and the way he's aggressive, and he's probably the best fullback in the competition. Wow, big call. But he was superb on the weekend. Um, are you going to answer my question about the Titans, though? Yeah, okay. Oh, so you're warming up for I it, are you? Man, it's some credit. Yeah, okay. I mean, it was, a, it was a great win. They yeah, blew okay. them away. And... Um, so for the Titans fans listening to the pod, tune in in about 10 minutes when G gets the answer to the question. Very funny. No, I just wanted Tommy Trebojevich. If you really think about it, it's the height, the ball skills, the athleticism, the speed. He's got stuff that all the other fullbacks don't have, except he's just been injured for a lot of his career, unfortunately. Well, he's got, I, think, I think he's got structural issues with his hamstrings yeah, too. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. He, he's, a, he's a brilliant player. Um, for the Titans, very disappointing. I... Honestly, don't know how to answer your question because they've been, like you say, so inconsistent. That was a really long run-up for a really short slide. No, yeah, I know. Hang we on. had to sit through 10 minutes of manly analysis for <laughs> you to say, I don't know the answer to your Titans question. Because I'm still waiting, like you say, to figure out what team. Are they the Sack team? Sack Jim Dimmick. Sack Jim Dimmick. When are you going to turn on Jim? Oh, we're getting close, Jim. We're getting close. I think he was eating and drinking and sampling the great food around Mudgee. So he took his eye off the, off the game. But their attack last week looked like the Titans from last year. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But that's the only game this year they've showed that. And this that. is the thing. They've had flashes in other games. But last week you thought, okay, it's week five. They started to figure it out. And then this week, there was nothing. I know they dropped ball and all this kind of stuff. They, but they regressed. They were terrible. It was like the old Titans. Probably need to give it a couple more weeks. But my worry is they're trying to play a far more, like you say, conservative brand of football and they're falling in love with their toys like you know Fafita he can be so destructive but you've got to have him as part of your team not the person you go to all the time because the defense can sort that out when Sonny Bill when Sonny Bill first came back to the Roosters you know what the Roosters did for the first five six games was use Sonny Bill as a decoy yeah why that's not it was. they got to introduce a bit of guile but that's on the attack coach right who's the attack coach again I believe it might be Kim, Kimmy Jimmick <laughs> Kimmy Jimmick yeah, so with the Titans, it's uncertain as to what they're showing at the moment. Wouldn't it be Dimmy Jimmy? Yeah, I just made up a name. Like, God, you know. Yeah, it's okay. like those old soccer games that didn't have the licensing. You remember with your kids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Paul Ince was Paul Ont and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? Manchester Blue. Manchester Blue. Yeah, so um, waiting to see still, but disappointing so far for the Titans. Like, it's not that they lost. Their attack has been woeful for most of the year. Oh, they, it has been, and and they were terrible. They just they weren't at the races on the weekend. I mean, Manly blew them. I mean, it's twenty six nil at half time. Yeah. Question: Do you think they're missing pace in the backs, in the centres, and on the wing? I, I think I think their best lineup has Tyrone Peachy at thirteen. Yes. Okay. The the the, the problem with that is, what do you do with Tino? Had Dave Fafita. Like, you've kind of bought these battering rams on the edges and through the middle. And you're paying them a million dollars a year. And you're paying them a lot of money. And you, you, your best, the, the natural way you play doesn't suit them. Well, not all the time, right? So I think that's that's the conundrum there for the Titans. In terms of defense, I've said this in previous weeks, mm. the Titans are not a good defensive no, team. No, they're not. Now, they, no. That, they're willing to give that up for the points they score. But if they don't have points in them... They, they can be beaten. Pretty easily. They, they're just going to get toweled up, right, yeah. easily. So the Titans are more likely to win a game 28-24 than 
seven. So uh, that's the type of game the Titans play. So I would, I, I, I think you're, you're asking, do they miss pace? They didn't miss pace towards the end of last year. And it's largely the same team. They were just playing a different style of footy. And I, th- I don't think AJ Brimson's slow. I just don't think he's been in open space. He hasn't really this year, no. He was everywhere at the back end of last year. And I think they're missing. And, and you know, you know what the Titans had? You know what the Titans did last year towards the back end of the season? They, they, if you notice, they scored a lot of length of the field. Oh, yeah, tops. absolutely. They were throwing the ball around from halfway, 40, 60 metres out. They were attacking. They were always attacking, no matter where they were on the field. And, and there's, they haven't looked anything like that this year. No, other than flashes against Newcastle last week, no. If that's the style they're playing and they're dropping the ball a little bit and they're not at the races and they're missing a few tackles and things like that, teams can put 20, 30, 40 points on them. I, would, I agree with that. So I'm he- hesitant to label them heading in the wrong direction. They could still be figuring things out or trying to find the best way to play. But if they try to play a really controlled game plan, honestly, they might miss the eight and be replaced by a team like the Dragons or the Knights or the Sharks. Um, whereas really at the beginning of the year, you would have thought they, they'd get there for sure. And just on just on Manly again, I think it's good to see Jason Saab's confidence rising. You know, he copped a, a brutal beating at the Dragons. Both teams are better off with. Manly's better off and so is Saints. Because Ravalawa's been sensational and, and Ram, Ramsey and Ravalawa have been great. Saints has made the right call, but I think he was, the, he was caught up in the whole, you know, Dragons drama as well. And... I just think it's worked out, but you could see his confidence and he's hunting for the ball a little bit more yesterday, which he hasn't really done the first few weeks. So, but um, Tommy Turbo, oh my God, what a what a comeback! He's brilliant. But I, I don't think you've mentioned Tommy Turbo. How's he going? Apparently, really well. I think he was the man of the match. Is your notes on the game all they say is Tommy Turbo? Uh, pretty, don't they? yeah, basically. It was, oh my God, Tommy T. Well, G, what do you think about the Titans? Well, let me start with Tommy but Turbo. But to keep things different, I did call him Tommy Turbo, then Tommy T, then Tommy Trebojevic. You did, you, did <laughs> you did try and change him into three different people. Yeah. All right. So if we move on to the middle game, which was actually the best game of the round, what drama this game had. The Souths, Sydney Rabbitohs versus the West Tigers. Um, the, the Bunnies got up 18-14. It was a completely different Tigers team versus the one that played against the Cowboys. They were tough tried hard, and in, and in the end would feel really bloody unlucky not to win the game. The first golden point game of the season, and what a chaotic finish, right? Oh, my God. Tom Burgess looked... Well, Tom Burgess looked like he knocked on putting the ball down. And let me tell you, the Burgess boys, when Wayne Bennett came on after the game and said he's done that about four times, I think Wayne Bennett's being conservative. The Burgess boys dropped... that the, they, they cannot hold the pill to save their lives. They've dropped the ball so many times. Um... And Luke Brooks cheekily picked the ball up and went down the other end, running 105 metres to put the ball that down. That was a smart very, play. It was smart right up until the end. Right up until the end. You know what he needed to do? What? He needed to submit to a voluntary tackle just before the try line because then they wouldn't have been able to go to the video ref. No, they can't. They can, right? Because it would have been a try. No, they can't. No. He would have been tackled. He would have had to play the ball and they would have scored on the next set and, and they wouldn't have been able to go back. So, But wouldn't they have gone back because the... The ref would have thought they'd scored a try. Well, the ref should have stopped it earlier, though. He played on. Remember, he ran, yes, ran he all did. the way up with Luke he Brooks. That, can you imagine that happening, the uproar that that would cause? I mean, if you think about Well, the I rules, was aware of the rule. Clearly, he wasn't. No. I would have done exactly that. I would have, I would have just looked like just a complete fool. Just waited. At the just one minute. 10 centimetres before the line, I'm just like lying down. But no one chased him. That's the problem. He would have been waiting there. There would have been like a stalemate. You're just, you're just waiting there for five minutes until someone comes to get you. So first glance, I did think he dropped the ball, but it, he, I think it was a right decision in the end to give the try. I thought West were the better side for the first 65 minutes. 
Yeah. They led 14-6 with 15 minutes to go, but a converted try to Gagai made a 14-12, and this is where I think the two-point field goal is important. Adam Reynolds again potted a two-point field goal to even the scores. Five to go, and then had a tough chance to win it when Tommy Talao gave away a penalty before full-time. So for the Tigers, Jake Simpkins came into hooker and did a great job. He really made a difference for the Tigers, and, and Madge moved David Norfoluma to the left wing. Um, in the pre- in the process, he strengthened both sides. Both edges got strengthened by David Norfoluma moving to the to the left edge. Can I just say something? Cam Murray and Luciano Lelua were the best forwards on the field. I think Luciano's been playing well for for them. He's he's improved the last few weeks. Yeah, I really like the way Cam Murray's playing. And Latrell Mitchell had his angry pants on, which we mentioned earlier, with a high shot on David Norfoluma and a kick out at Luke Garner um, that thankfully missed, and the video ref missed. But um, he was the class back on the field for both teams. Yeah, so, he um, was for sure. So I mean, I mean this this was a this was a this was a drama filled game. I think that pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? A drama filled game. It was. Would I say it was a high quality game? No. Was it watchable? Eminently watchable and a high drama game. There's a lot of stuff that happened. Um, like you, I thought the the Tigers had a great attitude again. That, so I mean, after sorry, the, before you before you go on to the Tigers, did you want to mention anything about Tommy Turbo? I thought Tommy Turbo was the best player on the field in this game. Did yeah, you? It was fantastic. He <laughs> <laughs> was. What did you think of shouts of those Tigers? Uh, Tommy Turbo Tom, was good. Tom Trebojevic was fantastic. You know, I thought, like you said, they kept it tight. I think it was quite a, a bit of an arm wrestle. I think the Tigers. You know, I thought they tried to build pressure a little bit too much. They could have had Souths if they were a little bit more aggressive with their with their football. Well, they're shot on confidence, right? I think I think they tried to play football last week and it didn't work in the first half. So I think I think Madge did the right thing. I can't criticize him for that. And they, they certainly they certainly showed up this week. The attitude right? was spot on. And but then you kind of think, you know, you look at the Luke Garner try where they actually attacked the defence a little bit and had Dane Laurie hunting for the ball a bit, and they shot Souths apart. And then, you know, they've got a great ball player in Adam Dwayne. He's got some vision with the ball, and he put Garner through a, you know, a massive gap to go in and score. 14-6, they kind of had South, but then, you know, that, what do you expect? Cody Walker hunting around the middle of the field. I didn't think that was really bad defense by the Tigers either. I just thought it was a great pass, a great play by Cody Walker, and then found Gagai, and, you know, that evened up the game when Adam Reynolds kicked the goal. There was a lot of, like, niggly wrestling and melees in this game. It was like they were wrestling. So all we needed was some Turkish oil, get leather pants on. That's what should happen. Sorry, are you, were you watching the same game I was? Just Can we bring it back to Souths versus the Tigers? And, and if need be, Tommy Turbo? Yes. I did. Look, I didn't think. I thought Souths played solidly, but they didn't really do too much. And I thought the Tigers Did you unlucky. watch this game live? Did you watch this game no, live? No, I did didn't. You? I watched it later. We couldn't have watched it live. We were at the, watching the AFL. How was that? I was oh, checking God. just to see if you tell the truth. And, and it was really easy to get a feed in Surrey Hills after the game too. Surrey Hills, lots of restaurants. If there's a Swans game, just bring your own food. Don't worry about it. Um, bring a packed lunch or a dinner. You know when Latrell Mitchell got the ball in his in goal and then sort of tiptoed? Oh, the 40-meter yeah. run down the sideline before the kick. Yeah, it was great run. But did you see the slow-mo? He's running backwards. And you know how we always say he's carrying a few kilos? If you go back... Oh, he is. Oh, mate, he's made if his... you go back and watch the replay on that, you can see it jiggling about. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. actually... 
It's like, yeah, Latrell, you're probably a few kilos away from you top need to drop shape. A few yeah. kilos, mate. Yeah, I agree. It's only How, round six. You know, though. it is only round six, and he had the hamstring injury last year, which was pretty significant. But he was sensational. But also the angry pills. I mean, his punch on off Luma or elbow, or whatever that was. Mate, he's a, he's a funny player, Latrell. Like he's he's so talented. He's so good. But he's got a bit of the Joey Le Lewis about him. Like he just loses, lose his shit over nothing. He plays angry when he plays like that. He's fiery and he's aggressive. And you know, if you play like that all the time, there's the odd occasion where you're probably going to step over the line. You know, he's a fire and punch someone in the head. Yeah, I, I mean, but you know, you look at the way he plays, he, his strength and his aggression. He's a oh, fantastic yeah, yeah. player. He's a great player. Um, great player. But yeah, I like you. The Tigers turned up. They've improved significantly in the last couple of weeks. But, you know, if not for a unbelievable drop goal by Adam Reynolds, like far out, man. Yeah. 40 45 metres out on the on the angle as well. Bang. Bang, straight over. And then surprised that he missed the goal. And then the other field goal, which is simpler. Where's Adam Reynolds gonna go? I don't know where you I thought he'd go to North Queensland. He might sign with he might sign with the bunnies now. Possibly, but would you be surprised if North Queensland still signed him anyway? No, I think I think I think they want to get Tom Dearden to partner Chad Townsend. Um, maybe the Tigers. I don't think Adam Reynolds is keen to be reunited with Madge McGuire. Oh, that's right. Technique. Yes, fair enough. I forgot about that part. And Tommy Talao, what was he thinking, mate? I, I thought you were going to say Tommy Turbo. I know. I know. Some of these players are just—it's like you made a great tackle, yeah. and then you basically gave Adam Reynolds a shot to win the at game at the end of the game. Yeah. At the end it's of like, the game, like why would you do that? You know, and he's lucky he missed because Adam Reynolds rarely misses as well. So, well, I thought he was going to kick it to be honest. I did, with you. and but yeah, crazy finish. And I'm like you. I thought when you're watching it live or you're watching the game on demand, I should say. I thought Tom Burgess dropped it, but then when you see the slow mo. You can see that the, he, he actually grounded and then it squeezes out. But it was really, really close. Really close. Good, good performance by Tigers. Unlucky to, unlucky to lose, to be honest. Bodes well for them. They got Manly this week. If ever they're going to get another win, I think it might, might be this week. Although Manly... It's hard to draw a form line through Manly's performance because the Tigers were so yeah, terrible. Yeah, but this will be a good game. And Tommy Turbo, right? It will be a good game. And Tommy Turbo, right? I mean, I, I know your, where your eyes will be glued for the yeah, whole course. game. So moving on, moving on to the last game of Not So Super Saturday, it's it's that time of the week where you should grab yourself a bottle of Grange and settle in for teas, ease eels hour. So the eels' first win in Canberra since two thousand and six. Fifteen years since we've last won in Canberra. Pa- Parramatta dominated the second half. They won the second half twenty three nil. Um, Regan Campbell Gillard and Junior Paulo went forward. Uh, Mitchell Moses's best game. Yes, all year. And probably in a long time. In a long, he channeled his inner Joey Johns. He completely controlled the game, yes. off the back of a dominant pack. And remember, this is the difference, right? When the when Parramatta's pack's dominating, Mitch Moses might be the best downhill skier in the comp. If when he's playing in front of a pack that's getting over the opposition, then he is the almost the best halfback in the comp. The challenge for Mitchell Moses remains when his pack is even or getting dominated. How does he control the game and the tempo to get it around? That's the bit that Cooper Cronk had that Mitchell doesn't. That's the bit for him to work on. But when 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 the pack dominates as it has, then he's great. Brad Arthur, after the game, said that they chased the collision, and I quote, chased the collision, and Papali, Papali was, again, superb. I mean, he, uh, 
I don't think Ryan Madison makes it back into the team. Papa Lee's been that good. So great, great performance. Mitchell Moses' kicking game was superb. It was only 12-10 at halftime, but I thought Parra were by far the better team. Can I just say a couple of things about Canberra? Canberra's right edge was poor. George Williams, Curtis Scott, Bailey Simonson before he went off, and Hudson Young are the four players that Ricky Stewart's talking about when he said people are cruising. George Williams is secretly playing very, very poorly. I actually think Aiden Caesar would be better in this side than George Williams. I really do. And I think, George, some of these UK players that Ricky's pulled out, they're great, but they're, they don't have the consistent intensity of those players that grow up playing league here. I thought Caleb Aikens was okay at fullback, though. I thought that was a promising start for him. But I will also say this about George Williams. His form is inverse to how well Josh Hodgson plays. So what I mean by that is the more Josh Hodgson plays, the more dominant he is, the less of a voice George Williams has on that team. So I actually think the right the, the way to kickstart Canberra might be to put Tom Starling in at hooker because they were really good with him at hooker last yep. year. Potentially move Josh Hodgson to the second row or lock and then give George Williams more more of the keys to the to the to the team. The Sean Lane try in the second half was magic. What a great try. What a fantastic try. And Mitch Moses handled the ball three times that during that that play. If I'm picking Queensland right now, Queensland origin team, I have Reed Marnie as my hooker. That's how good he's been for us this year. Him and Isaiah Papali have been Paris best this season. And and I, in my opinion, along with Mitch Moses, was our best in this game. Great to watch the, the Eels when they're when they're on form like this. What what did you as a fan anyway? What did you think of this game, G? Raiders disappointing. They they they've been disappointing this year. That they've just been solid in games, and because they're solid in almost every position, if that makes sense, T, they're winning games against some of the easier beats. But they haven't really shown much against some of the better sides. You know, they they don't seem to have that dynamism. And I think, like you mentioned, Josh, you know, maybe getting Josh Hodgson back isn't the best thing in the world. He he dominates the play, and what I've noticed is that. Whiten's barely involved. George Williams, like you say, isn't involved. Everything is centred correct. around George. Well, George Williams, the problem is the whole thing's centred around Josh yeah. Hodgson. So I think he's at the, he's actually could have put Tom Starling in there at hooker. Josh Hodgson, you can't drop Josh Hodgson. No. But per- perhaps play him as a lock. Yeah, that's actually not, not a bad idea. But something's not right with the way they're balancing their attack. So... They are struggling to score points. How, having said that, though, they did create some space around to try and get around Para, but Para's defense was too good for it. They didn't quite have the speed. Para's not defending as compressed as they did last year, so it's going to be harder to get around. Yeah, Para. so they they tried to you know go around Blake Ferguson and get Rapana on the edge a few times, but the defense was more than up to it. So great defense by Para too. There was some good football by the Raiders. What I like about Paulo Junior Paulo for Para. Two is Paris starting to use him, and we've mentioned this in a few times already, as a bit more of a, a versatile ball player. Last year, he would do a yeah. lot of the offloads, and there was always he'd drag two or three players and he'd try to pop a ball. He's still doing that, but now he's popping up in different areas of the field and ball playing to other forwards, which is it's, it's fantastic, and it's great for Paris' attack as well. Because I do think Paris lacks outright pace. But when you've got forwards passing the ball and creating space, you've got someone like Gutherson who always is always in the game, he's always moving. They they play fast. Like you, I thought Aikens did pretty well. He's still a youngster. Yeah, I thought he was good. Yeah, he's still a kid. And I think what he's missing, obviously being a kid, is Klockstad's involvement. But he's actually far more explosive um, speed-wise than Klockstad at times. But Klockstad's experience, he's always involved in the game. And I think that's what happens when you're a rookie and he's tough. And oh, he's, he's tough. very tough. Yes, very tough player. I mean, I t- I tipped the Eels, and I thought I thought Klockstad was the diff. Like that's that's the reason I ended up tipping the Eels because I knew we hadn't won there in a long time. 
but I thought he's a big out. And they just they just they just look a bit disjointed. They do. They they're not fluid. They're solid, but they're not like you say. They're disjointed when they come up against a really good defense. For Para, like you say, I think they're looking for the offload. And what I mean by that is they're not standing around organizing the next ruck and then someone pops an offload and, you know, someone picks up the ball and then runs for an extra five meters. They're looking to play off any second chance opportunity, second phase play. Yeah, second phase play, yeah. They're all ready to go. It's, it's a little bit back to the future where Gutho's looking for the offload and then when he gets, but then someone's looking for Gutho to get the offload and then go after him. So they're playing kind of a little bit more 80s and 90s football. Actually, the nuances in the way teams attack and they defend are actually there if you're looking closely enough. Unfortunately, our media is woeful in analysing what actually goes on in the 80 minutes. Yeah, um, and look, I thought Para were, re- were really good. Papali'i, Isaiah Papali'i, oh my God. Signing of the wow. year. Where do we find he's him? He's fearless and he's running the right lines, the angles to get some space on the fringes. And he because he's running so hard, he's he's a really tough guy to bring down. And he, He's like a kamikaze he pilot. Is, absolutely. How about the second try? I actually missed that because I thought, where did the ball go? Then I saw him in the clear and I thought, shit, how did that happen? But when you watch the replay... Cause, but, look at, but look at his thighs. Yeah, but no. But... Um, He's, he did snatch the ball from It was not meant to go to him, but he just hit the, the ball, caught it, and went straight through the gap. It was a great try. And the Sean Lane try, fabulous footy. Love it. Old school, the offloads, the passing, Gutho looking, finding Mitchell Moses, Mitchell Moses attacking. This is the Mitchell Moses that needs to play most weeks. He's going to have the odd off week. He can't sit there and direct the team around the park. This is the way he's got to play. He's dynamite. No, but he can only do this when his forwards are dominating, mate. He can only do this when he... I think he sits back too much and tries to game manage too much. He he needs to find a way to influence the game when things are not going his way. Dude, I'm a fan. I watch the Eels week in, week out. It is not when we're dominating in the forwards that Mitchell Moses has got an issue because his skills are so good and he can be unpredictable and he's confident, cheeky and all the things you want. He's got everything, doesn't he? Speed, skill. Problem has always been... How do I influence the game when my forward pack isn't getting on top? Hopefully he figures that out because watching him in full flight, he's always been a fabulous player to watch. And that, that trial was evident evidence of that. The backing up, the step, the skill, the, the the setting up to throw the long cutout ball. And then what I loved is he threw the ball to Will Smith and then Will Smith played to set him up for the next second phase play, right? I think we've got to find a way to get Will Smith into the starting lineup. I like his ball playing. He gives he gives the defense something different. He's a, and this is what I mean by the attacking mentality that some teams have. When when you've got Will Smith and Mitchell Moses on either side of the rock, you've got people who can ball play. The problem is Dylan Brown's not really a ball player yet. He's a runner. He's Laurie Daly early in his career. Laurie Daly was the same. He developed his offload and passing later. I probably would keep Will Smith there rather than Dylan Brown. They're not going to take any tips from you because you're a doggy supporter and we're going to get to the dogs game. But no, Parrot was a, some good football Good attacking, enterprising attacking play and aggressive attacking play. And I think they need that to, as a differentiator, come semi time. So I think Para's looking okay. They just got to stop those dips in form every now and again with the emotional side of things. But generally, good win for Para. Go to Canberra. And honestly, they were too good for Canberra. All right. It's good to return from Canberra with something more than porn and fireworks. So moving on to the Sunday games. Uh, the first, first game is the Dragons versus Warriors. The, the Warriors caused an upset here, scoring 20 points, beating the Dragons 20 to 14. The Warriors completed 40 from 40 sets. Yeah, that, that's unbelievable. 
unbelievable that they they did they completed every single set they got to their kick every time the dragons missed 38 tackles and made 10 errors despite this goal kicking was the difference because it was three tries Str- strangely yes because zach lomax is fantastic he's usually, usually a pretty good kick right yeah so but you know if it comes down to one player, it's Roger Tuivasa-Shek is having one hell of a farewell tour for the Warriors, right? He was superb again. He scored the winner, 257 metres, seven tackle busts, two line breaks in his 100th appearance for the Warriors. I don't know how they're going to replace, re- replace RTS. I mean, he's been... This season and last season may be the best ever in NRL history for fullbacks. The position has never been stronger. The Warriors were up 12-8 at halftime, um, but after Matt Dufty scored and Zach Lomax converted, Saints were up 14-12 with 20 to go. So I thought Ken Mamalo and Tohu Harris were also great for the Warriors, but they suffered more injuries with Peter Hickey and Adam, Adam Pompey being replaced and not coming back out onto the field. So in the end, a gutsy performance, but they won it in very non-Warriors style, I thought, because they're playing really risk-free football this year, and they grinded it out. It's... It, it, it's it's not a typical Warriors win that one, particularly at um I think the game was at Cogra, so um g- great result for the Warriors. Very Australian style of football, actually, not a traditional New Zealand style of rugby league. What what did you think of this game? And and the Dragons got brought down to earth a little bit. On I think the Dragons probably thought they would win this game. I, again, I don't think the attitude was poor. But I wouldn't say they were desperate as they were in some of the previous weeks. They took the Warriors a little bit lightly. I do agree with that. And same, I mean, when they don't make an error as well. But I'm like you, very conservative, grinded out, slugfest type of game where the Warriors just tried to, I guess, grind their way to a victory, which they did because they didn't make an error. But it was very much dependent on RTS's touches of magic. Getting him in space on the odd occasion made the difference for the Warriors. Outside of those two things... And his footwork. Uh, RTS might have the best footwork in short spaces, like in tight spaces of any of the fullbacks. He, he probably does, and he's explosive. And... I, think, I don't think Pappenhausen or Tedesco or those guys can dance in tight spaces the way Ro- Roger Tuivasa-Shek can. Not quite. Not with the same balance. And, and if RTS had stayed at the Roosters, Tedesco wouldn't have gone to the Roosters. No, he wouldn't have. Uh, I think, look... Tedesco probably suits the way they play, but then again, I don't think RTS... I think there's a very Australian lens on it. I think RTS may have been the best fullback post-Billy Slater. Probably. I just... But because he's playing for the Warriors, he's out of sight, out of sight, and, and the Roosters won a couple of premierships, and Teddy won World Player of the Year a couple of times. But I don't think there's a massive gap between Tedesco and Roger Tuovasashek. No, I don't think there is. I think you see it when Roger Tuovasashek gets a, a little bit of space to work with. In the Warriors, with the Warriors, and you can see how dynamic he is. He basically won this game with two touches of brilliance, right? That's right. And it's That's that right. footwork, and like you say, the it's the explosive footwork. So he can dance in tight spaces, but then explode as well, like to reach top speed really fast. But disappointing. It's, it was a win and a great win for the Warriors, but God, they need to adjust their game plan to get RTS in a bit more space. He gets the ball and he's involved, but he's not getting it when he's got room to move and to create danger. They're hoping he busts four tackles or, you know, something like that. So I think... And you can see watching Nikarima. I'm a huge fan of Cody Nikarima. Really? Long-time listeners would never have guessed. But, you know, you can see he's sort of mechanically going through the reads at times. What did you think? How did you think? 
How do you think Tommy Turbo went? I think if you put Tommy Turbo, actually, I don't think it would have made a difference to either team. I think Dufty was, again... Rocks and diamonds. He made that mistake on the grubber. He made that mistake on the grubber, yeah. He's capable of that. But, you know, after he scored, I thought the I thought the Dragons were going to go on with that and win the game. And... So did I. So did I. But, it was, but that's why I'm saying that it bodes well for the Warriors in that they toughed it out. Normally, they would have caved after a, after a try like that. So now, now they hung in there, right? So... For them, the challenge is how do they build on this to play a little bit more expensive? That's what I was going to say to you. Do you think that Nathan Brown is building the basis to get them to sort of play a controlled possession game for a while until they kind of loosen the reins up in a few more weeks once they get more comfortable? Or do you think he's just got to play this way? I think he'll play this way most of the season, but I think I think he's got to loosen the reins a little bit. I don't think he'll go all the way back to the razzle-dazzle of the Warriors of old. I think he's going to try and get them to play very Australian football. Yeah, I, look, it looks that way so far, but I think when you've got Nicarima and RTS, you've got two players, players that can beat any defence. So, you know, loose, loosen yeah. it up a little bit and give them some space to operate. But good win by the Warriors. Yeah. They grounded out and Dragons, like well, you say. Well, they scored 20 points, so they need, they need Jim Dimmick to they, get them they, down they, to nothing. They do. They need the reverse Jim Dimmick. Yeah, correct. All right. Well, moving on to our last game, which Channel 9 was absolutely ecstatic when they drew the lottery and they basically won Oz Lotto by getting the 4 p.m. Sunday night game ratings blockbuster that is the Cowboys versus the Bulldogs. Uh, the Cowboys ended up winning 30 to 18. Can I just say that was a really poor first half? I know I finished six all, but both teams executed poorly and made errors. I mean, it was hard to watch. I'm going to say that first. 20 minutes at least was shithouse it was players out of sync players not in tune with each other this is terrible like oh, it was a terrible one player running up. too far deep another one the ran off a tony passed it's like they it's like they met for the first time i mean it was just it was both teams too it was terrible that there first was up. errors there was oh. drop balls there was no fluidity to the play it the speed was so, slow it was I've got one line of notes for the first half. Shit. It was terrible. I think Renoff Tony has got some talent and he, he's getting better and better. But his pass to Jake Averillo at the beginning of the game, he was two metres ahead of him and he just passed it into the back of his shoulder. It's like, like, he's already in front of you. What are you doing? Yeah. Honestly, no line speed. It was, it was a poor first half. Very poor first half by both teams, really. I don't know what to say. I mean, I'm kind of... What, what more can I say? They, they basically, the dogs, as soon as they fell behind, they got blown away and they started to just go, fuck it and play football. They looked a lot better. That means Barrett's game plan is crap and it doesn't work. And until they're far behind and decide, stuff it, let's just play. That means they have no idea what they're doing. This is what used to happen with Dean Pay. So I'm, I'm concerned because... You concerned now? Oh, you guys might not win a game all season. No, that's the concern for me. I don't. Who are you going to be? The Cowboys were terrible, and we'd never look like winning that game either. So who are you going to be? We're at full strength. The Cowboys went in with a soft try through the middle in, with and and can I just say in the second half, and both your your front rowers were were culpable. Dylan Napa oh, and Ofaiki well, Ogden. Jake Granville then put rookie Ben Condon over to make the score eighteen six with twenty six minutes to play. Val Holmes then returning a kick, stepped and got clotheslined by Jack. This is the second half, and Jack Hetherington clotheslined him and got sent off. After Jake Granville scored one himself, the score was 24-6 with a quarter of the game yeah. to go, and the dogs down to 12. I mean, at that point, you thought, I thought they'd score holy crap, this could be anything. Yeah. yeah, this could be anything, and this could be the third or fourth worst team in the comp, and they're going to put 40 or 50 on you. 
But remarkably, yeah, you guys were the better team with for the last quarter of the game, Believe right? It or not. From from this point, on, you ran in two converted tries to make it twenty four eighteen, and then you nearly tied the game with Nick Kotrick. But Nick Kotrick was ruled offside again. Another mistake by Nick Kotrick, denying a oh, Hopoati try and the chance to tie the scores. Mitch Dunn then scored to ice the game. But but look, Val Holmes continues to get better for the Cowboys. But where to for your dogs, mate? I'm not sure you win a game. Where's the win going to come let from? Let me give some credit to the Cowboys. Like, at least in the second half, they... Tur- they. I said, in our season preview, I said two or three wins for the dogs. You said five or six and 11th. Oh, the 11th was overly optimistic, and I knew that at the time, but I thought... No, you didn't. I did. No, I said, if everything didn't. goes well... Go back. No, you didn't. Go look back on what you said, but... but I, don't, I can't even see you winning two or three I games. I think five or six wins was the overly optimistic. That's still pretty poor. But to be honest, the way they've been playing, I don't think they're going to win three games. I can't. I predicted two or three. I don't know where it's going to come it's from. It's actually Who are you going to beat? possible that they might win one game all year. You've got the Sharks. The Sharks are in disarray. It's a, it's a cog, right? The Sharks are going to kill you. Congratulations to the Cowboys. I thought they came out in the second half and they did what they needed to do. Um, Granville. I thought Tommy Turbo was excellent. <laughs> Tommy Turbo game. was fantastic at a hooker for with he put on a black curly hair wig <laughs> and took over the game from hooker. I thought Jake Granville made the difference really. Was, oh, he was he made a difference when he came on. Absolutely. Jake, um, Granville was fantastic, but even the try he scored through the middle that was in slow motion and there was gaps oh, yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Can I also say I don't want to criticize young halves, but Kyle Flanagan and Jake Avarillo, mate, I could have done what they did in that game just. Missed tackles and just passed the ball. <laughs> That's all they did. They, Trent Barrett's got to do something, and I don't know if he's if he's got it in him. You don't, you don't have the cattle. You don't have the cattle, and I don't know where the wind's okay. from. You might get one. You might get one in Origin when all the players are like. Maybe I'm thinking then when they play the reserve grade team of, <laughs> of Melbourne. I don't know. I don't know. You tell me, G. Where's the wind going to come from? Um, I who are they going to be? I can't see it. Who, tell me. Tell me who are they playing? Maybe maybe when the Titans don't show up like they didn't. Like, but I mean. It's the odd game here or there. If any of these teams show up to 80% of their potential, you don't win. I don't know, because the thing is, that back line is pretty much a full-strength back line. You know, you've got Corey oh, Allen. Heaven help you. Yeah, yeah, heaven you've got Corey you. Allen, oh. the big off-season signing, who literally can't turn and chase. When he hit the ball moving and he scored the try, set up the try for Katoa, that was decent football. But he got stood up by Kyle Felt. When he had to turn around, Kyle Felt left him for dead. Kyle Felt's not that Left fast. him for dead. Left him for dead. Went around him. He went, he went around, around him and him. left him for dead. And Kyle Felt's older now. He's not as fast as he used to be. And that's your centre. Will Hopawati needs to move from centre. I mean, in fairness, in fairness, it's game six and he's been played in three positions. He has, but I always thought he... Fullback, centre, wing. I mean, like, like you got to... Yeah, but he's one of those, oh, he played State of Origin because he played for South... He's locked in a Napa. How the hell they played State of Origin, I've got no idea. Trent Barrett came into the team, came came into round one without knowing his best team. That's clearly obvious. Yeah. and he and He's chopping and changing, looking for solutions. The solutions isn't in personnel, it's in the style of football. And if he doesn't get it, he's struggling. I was going to say, you know what that usually means with the coach, from what I've seen historically speaking? The coach either thinks their game plan is infallible, and they have no idea how to fix it because it's meant to work. And then they just shift the personnel and blame the personnel. It's In a way, it's almost sticking your players under the bus without. Because you're not changing your way you play. You're not looking at your style of play or philosophy of play. 
you're just thinking that it's the players' fault. The the issue for me is we've got yes, it's a matter of cattle, but no players are playing well. Like Jake Avarillo under Dean Pay, who had no idea how to coach either, looked like a a footballer with talent. He looks like he shouldn't even be in first grade now at times, right? Kyle Flanagan, I know he was playing for the Roosters. He didn't look that bad at the Roosters. Corey Allen looks like he should be dropped. Will Hopawati, great attitude, mate. He's too slow. There was a period at the end when they were trying to come back and they threw the cutout ball to him. He had 20 metres of space and the guy, I think it was um, Drinkwater, ambled across and just smashed him. He didn't even have to run because he just offers nothing. He's too slow now. And unless you're playing at a pace, you're not going to get players bursting through tackles because you don't have the talent, right? But no one's playing well. We have what scares me the most is every single game there's been a multiple soft tries through the middle of the ruck, through the middle, like just guys just barging over through three players, hookers going through over four players. Like that's the bit I'd be worried about, buddy. I, if I was if I was a doggy supporter, and I'm not. I'm actually really enjoying you guys. Yeah, I'm sure you are as a para supporter. What would worry me is the defense. The defense is woeful. Okay, okay. If I can't score, that's okay. It's not great, but if I've got a choice between not being able to score and being a good defensive side versus being able to score and being a poor defensive side, I'd take being a better defensive side. I mean, your issue is you can't score and can't tackle, and you can't and can't. The defense has gotten worse, and you know, I used to talk about Tolman. I don't know. I know this is part of the issue, but did he really cover that many gaps? Because it's the same, some of the same personnel. Well, this is this is what I'm saying. It's you got Dean Pay had the same personnel, but you guys were conceding 12 points a game, right, or 15 points. Like defensively, you were there or thereabouts. The attack was woeful. Yes, but you weren't getting towed up like you no. are. You, dude, the Cowboys might be the second or third worst team in the comp. They are, and you, and, and you were down 24 six. And I think this go. is the issue. You see, multiple times Katoa gets beaten and Dylan Napa gets beaten multiple times. If you're Trent Barrett, don't you just say, hey, we're coming last. Don't you drop the guy? Or is it a fitness issue? Like, Well, do you have anyone else? It's a cattle I issue. I don't know. You've got 14 players off contract this year, and almost none of them are going to get re-signed. Oh, you just need to turn the well, staff. Well, you know what? Do what you, Melbourne you need to does. Turn the playing staff. Blood over. the odd youngster off the bench. Yeah, but yeah, but Melbourne is recruiting well. You guys are not recruiting well. Melbourne goes to Queensland Cup and gets potential first graders and bloods them in that competition amongst men before bringing them into the Melbourne Storm system. You guys are just clutching at straws. It's a completely different thing. I have grave concerns about whether Trent Barrett's the right coach and whether he can actually coach. And it's only week six, and it's not because they've lost every game. That has nothing to do with it. It's more the way he's using his personnel. When you go through a season and you don't see anybody improve or get better, you can take losses, but there has to be some silver lining to some things, right? There's nothing at the moment. Players have regressed. You know, you saw that with Dean Pay. No one actually got better. It wasn't that they won. Everyone got worse as a player, and that's not something you want to see. You know, if you're coaching, well, you, 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 you play you you play the Tigers on the eighth of August. You can look forward to that. I don't think we'd beat the Tigers. This is the thing. I don't think I you don't would think, I don't think I can't either. see how we can beat anybody. We can't score. And feel like I was watching the Channel Nine, and this game was so exciting. I fell asleep during during part of it. I have to watch it again because it was so boring. Is Brad? Yeah, far out, man. Uh, Br- Brad Fittler was saying, "Oh, look, they look better when they throw out the game plan. You know, throw it, look stuff to just play some footy." But he's right. The game plan that he's got is not working and it's been round six and he's still sticking to it like it's going to work. Mate, it's not working. Change the style of football you're playing and play to the strengths of your players. If you lose 
38 to 24 or 29, whatever, fine, great. But at least your players are getting well, you confidence. Lost, you lost 30 to 18. That's pretty close to the scoreline you just said. I think the Cowboys, honestly, as soon as they we, we got we lucked out with the offside, they they the last two minutes they scored straight away, and it was again a soft try down the middle. And the one thing about Nick Kotrick, what the hell has happened to that guy? He is absolutely diabolical, mate. But he, he's a lone wolf. That's the problem. Oh. Nick Kotrick in a system's okay with players around him. Nick Kotrick is the star and the only star in your back lines. A different. Oh thing. yeah, he runs out like I said at the wrong time. He 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 runs too far in, and the players get around him. He runs at the wrong time for a kick. He's all over the place. Like it's like he doesn't know what the hell he's doing out there. And this guy. I think because the Raiders had solidity around him, like you said, he was okay at the back end of their back on the end of their back line. But having to be a star, we're basically paid massive money for a winger that shouldn't be in first grade now. If you the thing is, way he's playing, it's a five hundred fifty thousand dollar contract. I mean, why don't you put Dylan Napa on the wing? He'd probably be better. Big puppy. Yeah, because then he can actually take a break for half the time. But the problem is, he does that in the middle of the field and leaves holes. Uh, do you need to get that? Uh, I'm. I don't know what to say, honestly. Trent Barrett, you got to show something in the next few weeks, mate. I got no idea what you're doing. Or what? Or what? Are you going to hand back your membership? You won't. I'll just keep on. Complaining. You're like the European Super League. You don't have a choice. I'll change teams. Can you change teams? What you can take away from that is there is a red hot chance that the Bulldogs might not win a game this year, although we're a long way out. So. The round seven games this week will start off. There's only one Friday night game this week, so there's actually three on Anzac Day on the Sunday. So the Thursday night game is the Panthers versus the Knights. The Panthers are $1.12 favourites. The Knights are $6.50, and the Knights have 16.5 points start on Sportsbet. Now, I can't see anything other than a Panthers win. I think 16.5 is probably... I mean, it just depends on with Panthers show up. You could easily convince me they're going to win by four tries. You could easily convince me they win by 10. I am going to tip the Panthers this week. Like you, I do. Look, I think the Knights will match them for a little bit with Ponga. And I think they, they are getting some players back. Blake Green's played a couple of extra games now. I thought Kerman played pretty well as well against the Sharks. So I think they'll hang around. But I, I don't think... They're going to be like Cronulla and let the Knights back into the game if the Knights score a couple of games. It's at Penrith as well. I can't see anything but... A... Well, they, they haven't lost in two years, right? Yeah. And, and you know what? They're going to get a, bit, a, bit, a decent crowd, which is great for Penrith. So I'll, I tipping Pen, I'm tipping Penrith for sure, but probably, I'd say like you, probably about 12 to 16 points. I don't think they'll thrash them, but I don't think the Knights will get overly close because I think the Panthers had a bit of a lull in their play against the Broncos as well last week and I think you know sometimes you have those off games but you still you still play okay but you still win I think this week they'll be on and I think they'll yeah. they'll beat the Knights pretty not easily but they'll beat the Knights for sure all right all right let's move on to the Friday night game and that's between the Titans and the Bunnies um we again wish our best to Reggie the Rabbit yeah. who got roughed up last week a couple of weeks ago he's now in rehab so the Titans are $2.90 outsiders and have a six-point start. Souths are $1.42 favourites. I think the Titans will be very fired up for this. This game's on the Gold Coast. They were very poor against Manly. If Latrell's suspended, I think that makes a difference for Souths. I think this game might be closer than people think. If Latrell's suspended for this game, and there's a strong chance he might be, I'm probably still going to... I have a little bit of faith left in the Titans, but it's starting to erode pretty quickly. I don't know. Look, my head says pick the Rabbitohs. My heart and it's a the fan. It's the type of game Souths could lose, right? If the Titans are up for it and they're missing Latrell, 
And, uh, you know, it's, this is one of those games where if you're tipping, you overthink. Like you said, oh, you're missing Luttrell. The Rabbitohs are coming second. They should win. But the Titans played really badly last week and they got flogged. They should be up this week. You can get into that mindset. And that's why I'm, I'm struggling to tip this game. I think I want to tip the Rabbitohs because the Titans were incredibly disappointing. So I'm tipping them just for that reason. And I think Cody Walker being da- there. Da- Dave Fafita running at Dane Gagai is not going to end well. Well, this, this is the thing. I don't know. It's like Fafita scored well. three tries and probably set up fifty the week before. And then last week, if Dave, Dave Fafita, you know, you know, Dane Gagai is going to be like the house of straw. Dave Fafita is just going to blow, and Dane Gagai is going to go five meters into the air. Right? I mean, there's no way Dane Gagai is going to be able to stop Dave <laughs> this Fafita. This is what I mean. So, you know, and Fafita is the type of player that will score three tries this week. So, look, I'm going to stick with the Rabbitohs. I'm I'm going to use my head, but. It, I think this will be a tight game, and I'm expecting the Titans to come out firing after last week. And they might win the game, but I'm tipping the Rabbitohs. I agree. All right, so let's move on to the Super Saturday games. First up in on Saturday is the Eels versus the Broncos. In Darwin. Bankwest, a dollar, in Darwin, yeah, that's right. Sorry. The Eels are $1.20 favourites, and the Broncos are $4.50. The Broncos have got 13.5 points start. The Broncos are really... They went into halftime in round one ahead. So they're they're... They do trouble us. Again, I, I'm going to tip the Eels, but this game will be closer than many people think, especially after the Broncos' performance last week. I'm tipping the Eels. Um, I liked what I saw against Canberra. I like the fact that they played with a little bit of vibrancy and attack and a bit more enth- um, enthusiasm. And I thought Gutherson, again, was superb. But Papa Lee is finding his way. And, you know, Paulo is starting to make a bigger difference ball playing in, in different areas of the field. The Broncos, I think, will give them a, a match, but ultimately, I can't see, I can't see them beating Para. I think just Para is going to be a little bit too good for them. Although I think the X factor for Brisbane really is um, Tavita Pangai. When Tavita Pangai, like in that first game, he was incredible, and again against Penrith, it's almost like he can fire up the rest of the forwards. I don't know if he's the leader there or if he's one of those guys that's a bit like you know a good example. T would be Willie Mason way back in the Bulldogs days where he wasn't the captain, but realistically he was the leader and the heartbeat of the side. So if he was lazy, the team would be lazy. If he was fired up, the team would be fired up. I wonder if Tavita Pangai is that guy for the Broncos. Because whenever he's... I think that's a great analogy. Whenever he's fired up, there's this desperation that they have. And when he's not, which was kind of like last year in the odd game, they just all fall, seem to fall apart. So well, I think the Eels will get this, but I think it'll be closer than people think. I think the Broncos may have turned a corner. I mean, I, I thought they I mean, were they, really they, good. They were spirited on the yeah, they were spirited. I'm tipping the Eels. Panthers. I think they got too they much do, skill. They, they do match up well against the Panthers. Yep. All right. So if we move on, if we move on to the five thirty game, it's the Sharks versus the Dogs. The Sharks are a dollar eighteen favourites. The Dogs are five dollars, and the Dogs have fourteen and a half points start. Both teams in a bit of disarray, just with with the whole coaching situation at the Sharks. But I just I just look at the teams on paper and I go oh, I just can't see the dogs listen winning. sorry Jim. there's nothing you got Wateni Zelezniak who apparently was a Kiwi captain you got Hopawada you got a full strength side Barrett has already proven he doesn't really know what he's doing in fact I'm surprised this is five dollars I would tip the Sharks by 20 yeah I, th- I think that I, I think they'll cover the 14 and a half too and for me like we discussed it's not even the fact that the dogs can't score it's the defense. Well, the Cowboys beat you. The Cowboys beat you by twelve points, and and the Sharks are. And I think they switched the off, and they had a really poor first yeah. half. And on top of that, the, like you say, the Sharks are better, and 
our defence in the middle of the field is horrendous. It's not like teams are going around the edges and scoring amazing tries. And the Sharks' defence is good. The Sharks' defence is good. It's pretty solid. Like, the tries Newcastle scored against the Sharks were excellent with Ponga and offloads between three guys. There were some really good tries by Newcastle. And I think defensively, we're not going to trouble their defence. We're not throwing anything at them. And I worry about them getting a roll-on through the middle and then playing out to their back. So I think the Sharks will cover the start for sure. And it's going to be 20-plus, I think, for me. Easy. Yeah, I, I, I think they'll cover the 14.5 as well. The, the last game on Saturday is the Cowboys versus the Raiders. Um, this is up in North Queensland. The Cowboys are outsiders at $4 and have an 11.5-point start on Sportsbet. And the Raiders are $1.25. The Cowboys are coming off a couple of good performances. So, you know, they'll be a little bit more confident, I think, the Cowboys. So, um, And the Raiders, I mean, they, they absolutely would have got a rocket from Ricky this week. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. So the Raiders are strong favourites here. But again, this is another one I'm struggling to to tip. Um, I think I'll end up going for the Raiders, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Cowboys get close. Look, I'm going to tip the Raiders, only probably because I'm being vindictive against the Cowboys and when I tip them against the Sharks. I don't know. I, th- I think the the Raiders haven't been haven't impressed me much. And like we said, their attack's a bit disjointed. I mean, the Cowboys' wins did come against the Tigers and the Bulldogs, right? Th- they did, but I thought the Raiders have been... They're going to be too solid for the Cowboys, but honestly, the Cowboys, yes, it was against the Bulldogs, but there were some good signs. I love the move of Cohen Hest to prop as a middle forward because it, ta- it negates his lack of agility on the fringe. And he plays a props game, and it, it helps their defense. And having some of the younger guys on the fringe, I think, was good. And, um, you know, like you said, Val Holmes is slowly starting to find his feet. He's been disappointing thus far, but he's getting better. And it's up in North Queensland as well. So I think it'll be a better game. I think it'll be a close game. But I think ultimately the Raiders will just have a little bit too much for them. And like you said, I think Ricky Stewart would have lost it during the week and I think they'll be probably a little bit more energetic this week the Raiders a bit more fired up yeah I think that's right I think that's right all right if we move on to the Anzac Day fixtures first up with an early kickoff is the Tigers versus Manly the Tigers are $2.70 Manly are $1.47 and the Tigers have six points start I, I this is another game I'm struggling to tip depends which Manly and which Tigers show up both teams were better this week and both were impressive having said that I think Souths played a damn sight better than the Titans. Yes. So I think the Tigers are the Tigers are in with a shot here. I'm expecting this to be quite a close game. I am going to I tip agree. the Seagulls because I think with their fabulous fullback back and, you know, I was impressed the combination with Jason Saab and that speed they now have. Were you? You hadn't mentioned that. No, but it gives them strike power. And I think the Eagles now, they have a little bit more... Confidence in their attack and ability to score points. So, you know, when you do that, I think defensively you can dig in a little bit extra because you know the hard work can pay off with you winning the game. Like you said, the Titans weren't very good, so it's hard to really gauge how good Manly were, although they were impressive. They still won 36-0. And the Tigers were really solid against South and played a lot better. This is a really, really tight game. This is a hard one for me to pick. I'm going to tip the Seagulls only because I have a little bit more belief in Cherry Evans and Trebojevic than I do with the Tigers and Luke Brooks and 
Dwayne and I think they're still finding their feet, some of those guys. So I'm going to tip the Seagulls this week. Okay, great. So if we move on to the traditional Anzac Day clash between the Roosters and the Saints, the Roosters are $1.54 and Saints are $2.50 and Saints have got a four-point start. Um, another tough game this round to pick because I think the Saints have been playing well and the Roosters are absolutely decimated by injuries. If Takeaiho and Jared Warrior Highgraves is out, I may be leaning towards the Saints in this game. It will be at the SCG. What do you think about this one, G? Uh, I don't know. Look, I'm going to tip the Roosters anyway, just because I thought their attitude and defensive performance against Melbourne was fantastic. And with Brett Morris back, I think any opportunities they create, they'll probably at least finish off. I thought Ikevalu didn't look as sharp as he did last year even. I'm going to tip the Roosters. But I think the dra- I think this is going to be a really a good game, and I expect the Dragons to be a lot better. But I think it'll be a great game. But I think the Roosters defensively will have enough to stop the Dragons from scoring enough points to win the game, and I think the Roosters will beat them as a result. Like I think the Dragons will score and trouble them, but I can't see them scoring twenty. Whereas I can see the Roosters scoring, you know, twenty points. So it might be a twenty to sixteen game or something like that. Yeah, I think it'll be close. I agree with that. All right, and we move on to the last game, which is another traditional Anzac Day game in Melbourne. It's the Storm versus the Warriors, typically after the Anzac Day clash between the Bombers and Collingwood in Melbourne in the AFL. The Storm are $1.12 favourites. The Warriors are $6.50, and the Warriors have 15 and a half start. I just don't think the Warriors have enough firepower to trouble the Storm. No. Yeah, a solid game plan against the Storm is never, ever going to beat them. You, you watch any team that troubles them. It's the teams that play direct, and they play through the Storm. In terms of they yeah. offload, they have forwards running and they move the ball and they get their defensive pattern. They pull their defensive pattern apart as a result and the Storm can struggle, but you need to challenge their defense. If you're just going to play the percentage game, you got almost no chance of winning and the Storm have a fantastic back line and skill. And Harry Grant, he makes them better in attack because if you notice too, he can pass you know two, three passes wide of the ruck or short ball. So... It gives them variety from dummy half, you know, to set up either a, a long or short or short play. So I think um, they'll have way too much for the Warriors, and the Warriors are playing too, too, too much stodgy percentage football to really trouble them. So Storm, look, I don't know if they'll cover, because the Warriors have been quite tough in games. They've hung in. They haven't really been flogged. I think this might be the first week they get a bit of a towel in. I think I'm picking the Storm by 20, 26 plus. I know that's a random number. But yeah. Wow, 26, <laughs> random number. It's a okay, random wow. number. Because I was thinking 30 and I thought, no, that's probably a bit too much. Why didn't you, why didn't you pick 26.37? <laughs> okay, no. I don't know. You round it down. Yeah, I round it excellent. down. All right, excellent. All right, well, that brings us to the close of another G&T show. Thanks for joining us. I thought we'd get this one done a bit more quickly, uh, but we didn't. <laughs> so we brevity is not our thing no it's not it has to be we've got to we've got to get better we've got to get better all right thanks for joining me g and have a good week you too talk to you later ct